was like, well, if I'm gonna have a conversation with Jonathan anyway, then I will just ask him to ask me questions. <laughs> and so that's what I wanna do. Everybody and welcome back to Bottomless Coffee Podcast. I'm Jerome all over the internet and at Jerome T. Evans. And today we might be laughing. We'll find out together. We're here with Jonathan Thomas. He agreed to come back. Hey. Hello. Thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure. We always have really good conversations. And the last time you came on, the episode was called Tall, Dark, and Homosexual. Uh, we were, you kind of like kicked off an exploration of trauma that I was not expecting to get from your ketamine joke. Go fig. But I like, I, you know, I read a book on trauma and then it came up on the TV show a lot. And um, I was like, oh, I should become like a trauma-informed podcast host and TV host. So the power of one joke, Jonathan, the power. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, um, yeah I am not. One of your questions here in the outline was a tall, dark, homosexual. I don't think I'm tall, dark, and homosexual anymore. I am tall and homosexual, oh. but no longer dark. You see all this gray hair? Oh. <laughs> I'm changing it to tall, gray, and homosexual. Has it been that long since we spoke? <laughs> is there a word in the gay community for like, like, is it silver daddy? Is that, is that the phrase? Sure. I'll take it. Tall, silver, and homosexual. There we it's go. fun. Well, is your comedy still centered around like trauma and stuff? Or has it, how has it evolved over the last year or so? Yeah, I think, I never, I don't think it was ever centered around trauma we talked about oh, that okay. one we talked about that one joke which was very trauma focused uh, but my comedy's always been personal autobiographical and observation and um obviously trauma things do come up uh yeah and that was one of the instances of it um but it's evolved and i think my stand-up still is in that it still falls under personal autobiographical observational um, but I shifted into doing like other comedy type writing. I do satire and political jokes and monologue and news jokes and things like that, which okay. takes me completely out of that realm and is kind of a nice respite, I guess, from yeah. mining myself. Um, but yeah, it, it's. <clears throat> I guess I'm getting a little defensive because the trauma conversation is a bit loaded, and um, the fact that people can be critical of, of artists and performers who fall too, who fall too heavily on their trauma stories. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I, you know, that's something that I reckon with. There was, there was an interesting article that came out. I mean, most of this all has been gone over in the time of like Nanette and Hannah Gatsby. Um, mm -hmm. And there was an interesting article that came out at the time and just how like, women and queer performers in particular, um, and not just performers, women and queer people, a lot of times to get into public discourse need to rely on trauma. Um, mm. And this particular author wasn't too fond of that. Um, I'm not really sure where I come down on that, but it's something that I do reckon with in the comedy. There's um, a similar conversation in uh the black community, particularly with black entertainers. It's like, I'm not interested in playing a slave or an enslaved person. I am not interested in, in this period piece. Like, why don't we just have a 
thriving, successful person of color who's just like enjoying a really crazy day, you know? And I think yeah. Girls Trip, if you saw that movie, yes. um, I think part of the reason why it was so successful was just four black women, uh, relatively successful, or at least from different blocks of life, who were not in any way playing into kind of those stereotypical niche roles that so many um, performers do have to use uh, mm -hmm. to get to success. And you can tell I've had some coffee because I have a lot to say. <laughs> but I kind of, um, I like, I am, I have an agent or whatever. I don't really do anything with them, but I obviously have the show. So I'm like technically would qualify as an actor. Yeah. And a lot of like actors are on strike now as of just a couple of days ago. And I'm reading the statistics as to like how much money or these people do not make. You know, like the ones we see in the headlines all the time are making some serious dollars, but the ones that we're actually watching in the movies where there might be one starring role, but like hundreds and hundreds of other actors that just kind of pass through our peripheral vision, so to speak, um, they're barely making rent, much less, you know, saving for a down payment for a house. But those people are like, well, I need to take this one role so that I can get to a place where I don't have to take the role anymore. Um, and so I was kind of hearing from you, Jonathan, is that maybe your career has advanced to such a place that you're like, well, you know, I don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I think it's more of a, I mean, I'm in a privileged position as an artist that I have a pretty lucrative day job that, um, allows me to, you know, be a little bit more choosy on what I want to do in my creative field. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, uh, you know, it's not like I'm at a, a certain level as a comedian where it's like I can say no to things that um, would lead me to pigeonhole me. Um, I've just, you know, because of my background, that's kind of where I am and also thinking about where I want to go as an artist. But it's still tough. Like, I, I perform... I'm here in New York, so I perform in Times Square, and there'll be nights really? when, yeah, so there'll be nights when the comedy club will be full of tourists visiting from all over, abroad and in different parts of America, and that's a different audience than what I'm used to in Brooklyn, and oh. I think those I do fall back on the, um, you know, the the jokes with maybe some trauma rooted to them because <laughs> it is, it's, it is a foot in the door. It's a, what that, you know, that essay I was talking about earlier was what that author was saying was it's a way to, it's a, um, a shortcut to authenticity to an outside mm -hmm. group. And it, it kind of, you know, it works. Um, and I do catch myself falling on those jokes or relying on those jokes in more uncomfortable settings. Um, huh. Yeah, so. Well, it sounds like you're in a growth period then. Sure. Um, because if you're, I, from what I've gathered about your life from watching Miss Maisel, uh, the, <laughs> the only other stand-up comedian I really know you, you do have to have a sufficient catalog of material to, that you can like deploy for the right audience. And so you're, now you've, uh, you've moved all the way from Brooklyn to Times Square. <laughs> so you're, you're developing material for them. I, the record, I, I don't know think... if that's an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a bigger audience. You know, it's a bigger, it well, be. you can get some big audiences in Brooklyn. Um, it's just a different venue. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. 
I am. Um, I just wonder if you were like if you were in the South. I need to. I should not be backing up from the microphone. If you were in the South, I wonder how your jokes might change. If you were in Minneapolis, um, in the cities, the Twin Cities, your jokes yeah. might be different than if you were in rural Minnesota. I don't know if you'd have a joke for rural Minnesota, frankly. <laughs> I don't have any jokes for rural Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure either. I think it, that's an interesting question. And there are some purist comedians who make an argument that uh, you need your jokes need to work in all 50 states. And um, oh. I personally don't buy into it. I think that's that's a pretty privileged argument. I think that's an argument where, you know, um, folks primarily who make that are of a certain variety who, you know, their existence has never been challenged in the state. Um, so they may be able to rely on their material more and be able to, you know, um, use it more and not worry about what, what the reaction is going to be. Uh, I think telling a queer comedian or a trans comedian that they need to be able to perform in all 50 states is a little ignorant yeah. at this point. Um, but also, you know, you, you have to think about what you want to be as an artist, right? Like you can be the type of artist who has jokes that work in every single room, um, but that's going to be like the pop singer whose song right. is popular with every demographic. It, be is the that, Taylor Swift of yeah, stand-up comedy. I mean, is that who you want to be? It's, you know, that's <laughs> something you have to personally reckon with. And that, to me, is not what I'm setting out to do. Oh, what would you say that you're setting out to do? Because I think the advice on the, the all 50 states is, like, very commercial yeah. advice, I would say. Um, are you thinking you might stick with your, your lucrative side gig? Um, or are you wanting commercial success, but that's also authentic? Because that's pretty tough. Yeah, I think um, I like to get to a point where I can quit my day job and just rely on in comedy or writing and or writing um, and live comfortably. Um, yeah. But without worrying about too much commercial success. Without feeling yeah. the need that I have to, you know, pander. So a true artist. Good for you. Um, now, you mentioned political stuff a little bit. And I have noticed on your socials that you do have some political humor. And I guess I should have taken that into account when I was thinking about the way the conversation was going. Because uh, on your Instagram and what have you, you're not telling, you know, those, those same jokes or the trauma-centered jokes, let's say. Um, I'm here. I'm hearing the satire. I'm hearing the political humor. I'm hearing you come for uh, Republicans primarily, <laughs> and and you're smiling now. So I'm wondering, is that like, is that where you think your uh, your comedy might go? Because we always need political writers, for sure. I could see you on the Daily Show. That'd be really fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I enjoy it a lot. Um... I have always been politically engaged. I worked in politics for a while, um, and obviously I'm an attorney, so um, there's a lot going on with in the legal field right now. So um, things of interest, these are, these are areas of interest for me, and um, being able to bring that into comedy and express my thoughts and opinions through jokes, which we talked about before, you know, I, I think is a, um, a pretty um, efficient way or effective way to 
express yourself, an argument. Um, I like being able to do that. Okay, so is there a joke, a political joke that you tell in Brooklyn that you would not <laughs> tell in Times Square? I have one joke that, I don't know, it might work in Times Square, but it's, um, so the EPA proposed a rule that predicts that it will predict, excuse me, let me start again. So the EPA proposed okay. a rule that it predicts will make electric vehicles the majority of new auto sales by 2032. Also predicted to occur by 2032, the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, I think that might work. I like it. Yeah, I think that might work in Times Square. It's something that some, everyone can get on board with. There you go. So the humor is still dark. <laughs> humor is still dark. It's dark out. <laughs> I have to agree with you. And I, I'm like, I am not willing to say that's not like at least trauma adjacent. <laughs> like our, the, the lack of political will around climate change, I think is a, a real serious, impactful problem. Um, that we are all kind of collectively dissociating from. Um, yeah, I think so. It, that, so that headline, the EPA headline came out the same day that there was like a UN, or within the week, that there was a UN report about if we hit a certain temperature by 2030, you know, it'll be irreparable harm to the planet. It's like, you've got to be yeah. kidding me, guys. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? <laughs> and we're like, doop, doop, doop. Let's yeah, make just, yeah, money. Come on. <laughs> Progressing status quo. Business as usual. Yeah. Well, not even. It's more profitable, even. Yeah, right. they're, they're like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, fossil fuels would become, like, more valuable as we go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well... Uh, so the show, the talk show, has entered its second season, and I've become like more comfortable. Uh, and we've filmed two episodes: first with a fabulous trans woman, and the second with a gender affirming care doctor. And I have to say, the doctor was a little sensitive, I think. And I, I made the mistake of like putting in the outline. The joke I plan to tell <laughs> ahead of time. <laughs> and so it, it was like, so doctor, you are uh, a gender affirming care specialist. Are you finding that you're getting a lot of referrals from drag queens and other transsexuals? No. <laughs> he was like, I'm not doing that, Jerome. <laughs> and I'm like, but come on, the, like the idea the idea that like drag queens are out referring children to gender affirming care doctors is so ludicrous. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, admittedly, the people who watch the show would not be the butts of the joke, but yeah. I, I'd like to think that sometimes someone on YouTube would watch that and be like, oh my God, I've been an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would like to think that too about my jokes but i think unfortunately we kind of live in these echo chambers where they're hmm. maybe not being as impactful um, well you say that but if i i look at the comments on some of my uh instagram stuff and i'm like oh <laughs> i i have made it to the point where i now have someone else who is scheduling the instagram stuff for the bottomless coffee account and so i just yeah. occasionally get a notification uh and some of these comments are like not my target audience. <laughs> yeah. I've noticed that too. And um, 
I'm here for it. It's just it's helping the algorithm. It's just getting your your content out there more. So it's it's good. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Give I me, do. Give um, me the discourse in my comments. <laughs> You're like yes, yes. <laughs> um, I had a similar conversation with a friend uh, during. I want to say probably what was probably the height of Twitter. Now it's like during Trump's presidency when he's like issuing executive orders or whatever over Twitter, you know. Um, and I have friends who are just like constantly engaging with his account, just like hate responding back. And I'm like, guys, you can't, you cannot do that. Cause it, it literally just continues to promote him. Like you're giving him basically giving him free money at that point. And the, that they, it, they did not pay attention to me. <laughs> it's the same mistake the media made. Honestly. Um, I'm not sure if they are making that same mistake again now or not with all of this, um, the indictment news and everything that's coming out. Um, or if Trump is maybe not making him is maybe making the mistake and not calling press conferences that turn into campaign speeches <laughs> <laughs> when he's indicted. <laughs> well, I am getting... A little warm. I'm, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm very shiny, so I'm gonna turn on my air conditioning. So why don't we take a quick coffee break, and we'll be right back with John. Okay, this is a super quick, super cute story. My local bagel shop has signs that say a couple of things. One sign says that you should only refer to staff using gender-neutral terms, which is only remarkable because so few places have a similar sign. The other sign says to wear a mask, which is remarkable because so few places actually ask you to wear a mask when everybody knows that it's gotta cost the shop money when the workers get sick with COVID or the flu. Like my coworker and my day job got sick and I had to cover for her one time and I'm still mad about it. And I'm probably gonna stay that way until she has to cover for me, cause that's life. Anyway, if you can avoid getting sick by wearing a mask in your local shop, then you should do that. It's nice for the workers, it's nice for the people waiting next to you. It's just a nice thing to do. And more importantly, it keeps people from having to cover for you at work if you get sick because nobody wants to do that. Okay, I guess that was less of a cute story and more of a rant. I apologize for that, but my rant is now complete. So let's just get back to the conversation. back with Jonathan Thomas. You should follow him on Instagram. It's at Jonathan J. Thomas. Uh, and now uh, we, we spoke a little bit about your writing, wanting to move maybe, um, not move away from stand-up into writing, but like also add writing um, into the assortment of things that you do and are good at. And you started a Substack that is officially called Dismissed with Prejudice, which as a recovering attorney, I can appreciate. Um, but I have launched an informal petition to call it Jacked and Stacked, which yes. I think is really fun, but Dismiss with Prejudice is uh, what you have to search for right now <laughs> to find it. <laughs> yeah. And you so can find that on it. my Instagram, uh, and your recommendation has been duly noted. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so I started at Substack. I was getting into a lot more writing um, and writing um, satire, political things and, and stuff, and um, doing it for like different people and organizations and um, kind of having to fit into their voice. And I wanted to do something different where I could just kind of write my own voice and see, um, you know, just have a little more fun with it and not have any, not feel any obligation to like fit it um, into something else and not really worry about an audience. So I started a Substack. Yeah. Um, it was also an opportunity to like, and I, I did crib this from one of my friends here in New York who started a Substack and was interviewing comedians. Um, and I like that idea. And he was, he's asking them mostly about comedy related things. Um, but I like the idea of just asking people open ended questions. And the best part about doing comedy here in New York is just all the people that I get to meet and very interesting, fascinating folks. So it was a good opportunity to just be able to talk to them and ask them open-ended questions and get them thinking a little bit and hearing their perspectives. So I added that as well. Um, and then there's well, also... Is, oh. Go ahead. I, would say, also, I was just going to ask you how it's going, but you go first. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, so also there's some workout tips because I'm often asked about my workout, so I figured this would be a good opportunity to talk about that. And I love to read, so I talk a lot about the books that I read. And if, you know, anyone was wondering where Jacked and Stacked comes from, it's because he is very strong um, and workout tips make a lot of sense and they are included in the Substack. And then, like, stacks, like, in the library, you know, you call them the stacks. So it's, it was it genius, I tell you. <laughs> well, how, is, how has the experience been for you, kind of on the other side of the conversation, as the interviewer? It's been great. I, yeah, it's been really enjoyable. Um, I, the best part for me is the interview part, just being able to send out these five questions that I come up, that I came up with and seeing what the responses have been. Um, and everyone I've, I preface it when I send them out the questions, you know, you can be as silly as, or as sincere as you'd like to be. And everyone's getting very sincere, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. And, um, insightful i took the last two weeks off when i was on vacation but i have one coming on this thursday and it's with a comedian tim cove here in new york and his response to the question of what success looks like or what success to you um is just beautiful and i've thought a lot about it and i really appreciate him expressing that and yeah so it's been very rewarding oh that's wonderful i um, i've only read one and i don't remember who the interview was with but I subscribed, and I don't subscribe to anything. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is a beautiful, masterful piece. I'm sure I'll remember to come back. <laughs> but yours, I was, I'm so excited about you interviewing and um, learning more about your thought process and you interacting with other people that I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be good. I'm definitely gonna, I'm definitely gonna subscribe. And then also. I uh, I think since we had our last podcast conversation, I have a personal trainer, so I'm also stacked. <laughs> <laughs> so I really appreciate those workout tips that come along with it too. Good, I'm glad. And yeah, yeah. subscribe. You're only going to get one email a week. It's not it's not that bad. And some weeks there won't be anything when I'm on vacation <laughs> or just lazy. <laughs> very fair. Um, I do want to let you know that I was very jealous of your vacation. <laughs> <laughs> like I know one, I never sign up for stuff. 
Two, I also never get jealous, but here you are with a double whammy because skinny dipping in Greece, shut up. <laughs> it was pretty great. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> Had you been planning that trip for a really long time? No, we actually got really lucky and friends of ours in New York, um, had been planning it and they traveled together. It's like a group of uh, six guys who travel together all the time and um, they were planning it. And then we went out with them and we were talking to them and they were like, Hey, do you want to come? And they just kind of added us along and which was great because they're very good at traveling. Yeah. And they, they booked everything and they knew what to do. And we kind of just oh went God. along for the ride and it was perfect. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm like, somehow more jealous than I was before. Because <laughs> <laughs> the worst part of planning the worst part is planning a vacation, but they took care yes. of most of that, so it was really great. I had a um a friend group that I went with to Palm Springs and the way that trip came about is I was I like in a group chat, I was like, someone organized this trip and then I was like, I'm gonna leave it alone and I'm just gonna pop back in and that did not work out. I had to do just about every little thing. Um, yeah. We have a I'm mutual trying... friend who I oh. who I try to get a, to plan trips all the time. He was on that. Trip oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will send him a message every so often. Plan, can you plan a trip to P-Town? And sometimes he obliges. I, it doesn't cost anything if he doesn't oblige. So yeah. whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I am interested in doing, um, doing more, just creating more, um, which is something I think you can vibe with. And I want to do vlogs. And I want to do blogs. And... The reason that I think that blogs are going to make more of a comeback, which is similar to your Substack, is that I think that we've, with the collapse of Twitter in particular, we're kind of seeing like a decentralization of these big platforms. Like, no one's interested in Facebook. Can't, no one's really interested in Twitter. Like, we're on it, reluctantly. I don't think anybody wants to be there, you know? <laughs> and I, I think like an authentic individual experience is where people are going to kind of go if, um, you know, some new major platform doesn't come out. So I'm going to give it a try. We're going to see. And that's why I went to Palm Springs. I did some of that in Austin, Texas. I did some of that in Savannah, Georgia. But I'm excited uh, for your subsect because, like, as I'm trying to figure this out myself, I'm absolutely just stealing from other people. I'm like, oh, this is cute. I'm just going to, I'll take that and put it on mine. Oh, I'll take that, put it on mine. And I'm not going to do workout tips, but I'm interested in your interview and your process. And so I did not know that you were emailing people and having them respond. <laughs> and so that's what I want to do. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing the email because I'm a person who thinks better through writing and... Um, I want to give my interviewers, I mean, interviewees, the same opportunity to like kind of think through and, and sit on their answers and you know contemplate them a little bit and see what happens. Um, so that's oh, why you're I not like, getting that today. That's fine. I like the written <laughs> form, but um, I mean, we could always do a follow up at some point. Oh, I'd love that. That'd be really fun. Yeah. I like the idea of like in the moment, like what are you thinking, and then I really want to see you thinking. In that moment, which is something that you're really great at. And I love having you on video because I can see the gears like really turning, you know, and I'm like, oh, his gears are not like my gears. <laughs> He's like <laughs> very thoughtful. And I'm like, I got to be quick. You know, it's different. Yeah. 
All right, so you want me to ask you some questions? Yeah, I don't even know, everyone at home, I don't even know how many questions there will be, but we will limit it to a reasonable time. Okay. Well, the first one is one of my favorites. So what do you splurge on? That is a very personal <laughs> question. <laughs> this is a PG I wasn't podcast. expecting a dirty question so early in the interview, Jonathan. That is not a um, question. <laughs> Depends on my answer. Yeah. Um, I splurge on like tech equipment and stuff. Because yeah. uh, I'm not... I like the idea of iterating to success very quickly. And uh, uh, there are things that I won't do to achieve success. So like if I'm on Instagram and I want to get a lot of followers, like I could post like suggestive photos all day long until I get enough people following me or whatever. And I'm like, ah, I'm 41. <laughs> like like I, that is not a, a, a sustainable practice for me. But because I am a little bit older and I'm secure in my work, I do have disposable income that I can spend on uh, tech stuff that may or may not help me be successful, right? Yeah. <laughs> so if you're watching on YouTube, I did buy a nicer camera that didn't start working well until I like further invested in other stuff. Like I needed a capture card and I needed these other special wires. And then you have to have this service that can actually... Um, like record me online at the right uh, frame rate and resolution. So uh, it was a challenge, but I, I got there eventually. And I will absolutely continue, continue to do that. Even with the TV show, um, when I'm looking at the videos that I, I get there, like on TV, it looks one way. And when I receive the files and I upload them to YouTube, I'm like, mm, <laughs> we could be better. Is this shooting in 4K? What can it shoot in 6K and then downsample to 4K, you know? And so um, that kind of thing bothers me. We don't have... So the way the show is set up, it's uh, two chairs and then three cameras around the studio. And none of them are really capturing, like, B-roll. So if you watch, like, old Oprah episodes, you might get up-close pictures of the person's hands or like over-the-shoulder footage or something like that, and we don't have that. Uh, and so I would like to invest in uh, more cameras to see if that would be a possibility, or like one camera that goes Is that around. Is handheld? Do you, how would how you do that? Oh, isn't that a good question? <laughs> I can assure you the answer will be very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, uh, that's, I would say, what I splurge on. Interesting. Um, you said you're quick to adopt new technology. Have you adopted any of any AI? Are you doing? Are you using ChatGPT for anything yet, or any of the other AI operations? I did. I did think about using ChatGPT. I guess I know AI is the future, yeah. so I will absolutely be incorporating AI in in my work in some way. I just don't know how visible it will be. Um, and I don't know if it's going to, uh, like revolutionize the kind of work that I do, or if it's going to streamline some of the work that I do. So for instance, I know a transcript of this conversation is recorded using AI. Um, and previously like the computer couldn't distinguish between which of us was talking. It would just be like, like a text blob or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and so now that's a little different. 
Um, similarly, I can, on another piece of software, I can get subtitles generated on my stuff, which is nice. But what I don't get from that software, at least right now, is like the fun animated like subtitles that really grab attention on yeah. social media. Um, and so we'll see if that happens. I did ask ChatGPT to write a blog post and I didn't like it. I was like, it seems, it seems fake. Um, and this could be like an inherent bias in the AI because it seems fake as in not my voice, but you probably could have inserted like, you know, any high school, no, let's not say high school. Let's say uh, undergraduate in college, brunette, um, <laughs> <laughs> female, uh, heterosexual, and <laughs> like she'd be like, "Oh my gosh, it's perfect." <laughs> yeah, but think... the that forty one year old clear queer black male voice was not found not in the ChatGPT article. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's been the common experience that like a lot of what's coming out is very much high school or college level term papers. That's what it seems like. Yeah. That's what the writing's like. Did you ask it to write in your voice or just to write a blog post? So, very excellent question. Um, and I think maybe if I hadn't known a little bit more about how it works, then I would have asked it to write in my voice. But because I was like, I don't really want it looking for my info immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, don't go watching you know, 17 hours of TV show episodes about me and <laughs> develop this model that's like a better Jerome than even I am, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, eventually that'll definitely happen. But I do have issues with like giving other people, uh, I wouldn't say, I'm gonna say control for lack of a better word, control of any part of my persona. Because like the relationships that I develop with people are like real and authentic. Like I go to bat for people on a regular basis and I don't want anyone to mess that up. So even the social media person um, that's just posting things to currently just Instagram and Facebook, like the permissions I'm giving him are like incremental because I'm like, are you gonna mess this up? <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> well then now you can do TikTok. Okay, yeah. now you can also do YouTube, um, but we'll see. I'm sure I'm sure he's gonna mess it up at some point, and it's gonna be fine. But and I I will have worried about it for like 40 hours before it happens. <laughs> okay, that's great. Um, all right, so next question: In what situations do you lie? Oh, <laughs> so I used to not lie. Um, uh, I used to not lie. I have to go way back. I used to not lie because, um, I wanted to make sure I was believed when I lied about something really important. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to shore up this credibility. And <laughs> yeah. When was this? Was this as a child or? Oh, this was like my twenties. Okay. For sure. For sure. Um, now things are a little bit different. Uh, so I, I've run for office twice and you <laughs> know, made you think of lying. <laughs> well, um, as a public figure, even as like an also ran politician, um, I am like exposed to like hacking at a greater rate than, uh, tr the traditional person. 
And so those security questions that you get asked to put in, like your mother's maiden name and stuff, those are supposed to be lies for me now. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you know, you could Google my mom's maiden name, for goodness sake. <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah, just yeah, not yeah, a very yeah. secure question. Once uh, third parties are interested and, like, literally interested, well, where did you grow up, Jerome? What was the name of the street? You know, yeah. like, oh, I could just go to property records and look look that kind of stuff up. Um, so those will be a lie. How do you keep track of that? Do you have do you have a, the answers written down? Like your fake mom's maiden name? Ooh, excellent question that I will not answer. <laughs> <laughs> or I could answer it with a lie. <laughs> Where are your passwords, Jerome? <laughs> Yeah, you think that those questions would have evolved to be a little bit more personal? Because, yeah, yeah, your mom's maiden name's not it's pretty easy to figure out. And street, yeah. street you grew up on, yeah. It's, even for me, I've never ran for anything, but that, I'm sure people could figure that out. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I would say as a general tip, people should probably lie on the security questions. Good to know. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what do you think is the most important thing for people to know about you? I wasn't expecting more than three questions. I thought there was going to be a rule of threes. Um, oh, th this that is one. only two questions. This is the third. Was it? Yeah, <laughs> were there follow? There were follow up questions. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and I mentioned this in a lot of interviews, and probably the most important thing is that when I wake up in the morning, I make sure that I like, not not like count my blessings, not feel grateful, that I, that I like some way fill myself up with love. Um, and I make sure the same is true for my husband because like once we go out into the world, there's really no telling of in, of in what way society is gonna come at me <laughs> that day. But what I find is that if I'm full of love, I don't have any room for shame, I don't have any room for fear, I don't have any room for any, any kind of bullshit really. Um, and so it doesn't, it doesn't really penetrate. And so that would be something I would, I would hope other people also take away um, or incorporate into their own practice because it's really, it's been really beneficial for me. That is great. I do something similar, but before I go to sleep, I will mm. think of three things I'm grateful for. And sometimes I write it down. Sometimes I've gotten into this new habit where I don't keep my phone in my bedroom. So sometimes uh, I just think it and then fall asleep, yeah. Uh, that's such a good idea that has literally never crossed my mind. <laughs> it's a great, no, it is a, a life-changing idea. I, but I got this alarm clock, like this old-fashioned alarm clock that you can't even set it to wake you up at like 7.30. You have, it's only by the hour. Oh, <laughs> where'd you get it? I don't know. Uh, it's, and it's so loud. It's like a train whistle at 6 a.m. Uh, it went off this morning and my boyfriend was like, just get out of bed. Just get the hell out of here. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, does Lucas love that? Or no, no, he hates it. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> but it's been wonderful for me because then otherwise, if I had my phone by my side, I would wake up and immediately start scrolling Instagram or social media, which is just numbing yeah. your well-rested, fresh you know, brain and ruining it. So I don't do that anymore, which yeah. is great. What do you do in the morning? Um, so now I'll just get up and um, I will eat breakfast and read for a really 
probably too long, like an hour and a half to two hours. Of... Oh, <laughs> that is a long time. Good for you, though. That's really nice. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes it's writing, sometimes it's reading and writing, um, but they'll do that, and then I'll start working. That's a wonderful practice. Good for you. And just like that, I've taken control of this interview. <laughs> because now we are going onto a coffee break. And we'll be right back. <laughs> okay, we've reached the cross-promotion part of the episode. As you've heard in this conversation and in some of the others, I've got more than a few thoughts on relationships, like the one with my husband, Homeownership, like this squalorous fixer-upper. And adventures, like the skydiving video that I posted on YouTube. Now I'm putting all of those thoughts, articles, and videos together at JeromeEvans.com. Now that site is not funded through a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health, so there will be fewer reminders on there to get vaccinated for COVID-19, to ventilate your spaces, and mask, but you know, I want you to be healthy, so I might just do that for free anyway. We'll see. And you actually don't have to worry about keeping up with two websites because I'm going to centralize everything at patreon.com slash bottomlesscoffee, a site where you can follow all of the articles, podcasts, and TV show episodes for free. But there will also be exclusive paid subscriber stuff on there so we can keep the lights on around here, okay? Okay. Cross-promotion complete. Let's get back to the conversation. Okay, you are back with Jerome Evans and Jonathan Thomas uh, at Jonathan J. Thomas on Instagram. I had to scroll up to make sure I got that, that J right. Um, well, thank and I you. do have suggestive photos. I... I'm, I don't have the integrity that Jerome has. I post. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, you might have actually caught me in a lie then because I, I wouldn't call them suggestive, but I went to, well, because I haven't seen them. Okay, let me tell, just tell the story. Mm. Um, I went to Texas to film with my friend Trey. Trey is a social media manager for a company called Where Is Henri? Uh, but my flight home was canceled. So he was like, well, I'll get a boat or I've got friends with the boat. Let's go out. And I was like, I don't have any swimwear. He was like, I got you. No problem. I take these Speedos. I put them in my bag. We get to the boat. I look in the bag. I cannot find the Speedos. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. It's fine. Everyone lives. I go home the next day. I look in my bag. Amazingly, <laughs> the Speedos are like right there where I swear I looked, but whatever. Trey was like, don't worry about it. It's not the end of the world. But I was going to take photos on the boat, so can you snap some photos to send them back? Uh, and I said, well, I can, but there's a certain level of production that I've grown accustomed to at this point. So I hired a photographer, and we went out to the lake um, on Saturday. <laughs> and so in the camera, the photos look great, and I am in a Speedo, but I wouldn't call them suggestive but I'm not sure if that's true or not. <laughs> it's to be determined. TBD. Uh, but that Instagram is at Jerome T. Evans, if anyone out there. <laughs> Go find the picture of me in a Speedo and let me know if it's suggestive. <laughs> there. 
where where can we hear your comedy? Where can we find you? Who are you writing for? Give us give us all of that good stuff. Yeah, so I am in New York. I am performing um, pretty regularly for the next two weeks um, until August, and then I'm taking a little bit of time off to get out of the hot city right now. Um, so I'll be away, but um, you can come see me in the next few weeks. Um, definitely follow or subscribe to my Substack because I'm going to be producing a lot more of that, and that's really enjoyable. Um, I should be posting some more reels on Instagram, maybe TikTok as well. So follow me there. And I didn't know you were on TikTok. I, yeah, I don't post anything. This is going to be a new oh. endeavor. <laughs> I, do you like consume media on TikTok? I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't know if it's my algorithm, um, but I don't find it enjoyable right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I got to figure that out. I need. I think I need to figure out what's going on there. Um, although there's a lot of videos of of mini pigs that I find very enjoyable, and <laughs> a few of those that come up on TikTok. But otherwise, it's my grave. Listen, everybody. You gotta produce more mini pig content. Mini pigs. They're for adorable. Jonathan. <laughs> they are literally adorable. <laughs> I was not expecting that to be like your no. niche. Have you seen any of those videos? <laughs> no. As a matter of fact, I have not. Do that right after this podcast. <laughs> so you send me some mini pigs. I will. Stuff. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> and. Everyone at home, subscribe to Jonathan's Substack. You can find the link on Instagram at, at Jonathan J. Thomas. And if you want to stream more episodes of this podcast or that TV show I've been plugging nonstop in this episode in particular, you can find those at bottomlesscoffeeshow.com. Jonathan, you're amazing. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks for Yay. having me again. Yeah, really consider Jackson Stacked as the name. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> bye, bye, everybody. <laughs>